0: Hi, this is Debbie Taylor Williams. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so glad you're here and pray the Lord will speak to you through this message. Please open your Bible to Acts 21. We're going to be looking, as I mentioned, at Acts 21 and 22. But before we go into our very first point in scripture reading, I want to ask you are you anxious? Are you anxious about your health? Are you anxious about the future? Are you anxious about how you're going to get everything done? There is so much anxiousness going on in our world right now and at all kinds of levels. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are common mental problems in the United States, and in fact, 40 million adults in the United States, 18% of the population struggles with anxiety. Mayo Clinic says, of course, it's normal to have some anxiety in our life, but people with anxiety disorders frequently have intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Would you think If you have been following along in our study of Acts and you've been here, would you think that perhaps Paul could have any possible teeny-weeny bit of anxiety going on in his mind or his life? We definitely know that his friends do because we read here and we know from Acts 20, if we go back just a little bit from Acts 20 in verse uh, 21, Paul says that the Holy Spirit has been testifying to him. I'm sorry, verse 23, that the Holy Spirit has been testifying solemnly to him, Paul, in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions await me. Now, what if that was God's word to you? No matter what, where you are tomorrow, no, no matter what, you're going to have affliction tomorrow. Good night. And the next week, you're going to have afflictions this coming week and bonds. And and the bonds that that the Holy Spirit was warning him about were these kind of bonds. Not, oh, I'm just bound up at work or, oh, I'm just bound up with so many things to do. I'm bound up with house chores. I'm bound up with errands. No, he's talking about these kind of bonds and incredibly bodily afflictions such as he had already experienced. And so we might think, well, Paul could sure have some anxiety in his life. But could people today also have anxiety in their life? And yes, Uh, uh, so sad, so sad. Audrey Hale, who also goes by the name or went by the name Aiden, was the shooter. uh, And he had attended this school uh, that he recently went into, she went into, and shot. She is being described as born. Female, but then transgendered. And that, according to Wikipedia, she or he, however you prefer, uh, was experiencing emotional disorders. Emotional disorders are high. They are becoming more extreme for so many reasons. If you don't suffer from some kind of emotional disorder that is ongoing with you, then you may suffer from some natural disaster that occurs, this horrible disaster that happened in Mississippi. This was a neighborhood, I don't know if you're able to see it, but the beautiful trees and the, uh, the homes that were there, and this is the next image. It is leveled, leveled. To the ground. Do you think those people might be experiencing any anxiety for the ones who have lost the lives through the shooting, for the ones who have lost lives through this incredible natural disaster of tornadoes? The one I just went by uh, too quickly, but I'll go ahead and read to you about it. It was the Denison Forum yesterday's article that he puts forth. He's a Christian and he brought to the attention of those of who receive his writings that bill gates had written a blog on the development of ai if you're not familiar with what ai is it's artificial intelligence and bill gates says that artificial intelligence is going to be as fundamental or it is and is increasing to be as fundamental as our computers our ipads and our iphones And he warns there's the possibility that A.I.s will run out of control. Could a machine decide that humans are a threat, conclude that its interests are different from ours, or simply stop caring about us? These strong A.I.s, as they are known, will probably be able to establish their own goals. What happens if they conflict conflict with humanity's interests? Friends, there are lots of reasons for anxiety levels to be rising in our nation and in our world. And this is the wonderful, wonderful, incredible, incredible good news for you and me. You and I have been given a big old dose, a big old heap of the Holy Spirit in us. The Spirit of Glory we have light in us. We have the presence of Jesus as our constant companion. We have the word of God as our guide. And Acts 21 and 22, it is a rally cry. It is a rally cry for you and me to understand the value, the blessing, the benefit that we can do our job, that we can walk out our lives in the spirit, in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you're excited about it because it makes all the difference in the world, in our ever increasingly darkening world with new challenges that can be threatening to us that prior generations didn't have. This is your time. This is my time to shine. Are you ready to shine? This is our time to shine and not only our time to shine, but our time to smell good because we carry about on our bodies, the fragrance of Christ. I, I encourage you as we look at this, my sister Linda, who is with us today when I would uh, in prior times, and I would tell her some things that I had coming up and she would say, well, I know what my job is. My job is to pray, and I'd say, thank you. I love that that's your job. What is our job? Our job, read it with me on the overhead. Our job is boots on the ground. Jesus' boots on the ground. So see, since Jesus is in heaven, He has put his precious feet in, in my shoes. And so it's His feet on the ground, bringing me here today. It's your feet. Marty, going to the grocery store. It's your feet, Kelly, visiting with a Jewish man who doesn't yet know the the prince of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this opportunity. I hope you're so excited. Pull out your listening guide because as we look at these passages, we're going to start with Acts 21, 1 through 16, and let's read that together, and then we'll go over some details because what we're going to see is how we can have Jesus' feet in our boots. Are you ready? Do you want Jesus' feet in your boots? Do you want Jesus' feet in your high heels? Yes. He might not like the high heels, but he wants to be your feet that are that is walking out his will. So in Acts 21, we read, Paul is sailing from Miletus, and it says that when we parted from them and we set sail, they had parted from the Ephesians. They ran a straight course, and you can just see how they are having to just pick up, where can I get a ship that's going to a certain place, and they do this. Luke details it, but let's go ahead and look at verse 4. It says, after looking up the disciples... When they landed in Cyprus and then Tyre, he says, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. Don't you even put your big toe in Jerusalem, Paul. Don't set foot. The Holy Spirit has told us you're going to have trouble. You're going to have big trouble with a capital B. Don't go, Paul. That is what his friends were telling him. Have you ever been confused because you thought you knew what the Lord wanted you to do, and then you have people say, oh, that can't be right. Let me see your hands. How many of you have ever thought that you were supposed to go in one direction, and somebody said, oh, no, no, I couldn't want that for you. Well, that's what Paul was experiencing here. But it says then that when the days were ended for them to be there, they left, and they started on their journey, and all the wives and the children, they, they just escorted us out of the city and then they knelt down on the beach. Ooh, I could just see that white beach sand. I've been on the Mediterranean seashores and it would have just been beautiful, but I've never knelt with a group there on the beach like that. And so you can just see Paul with the wives and the children and the men and the disciples. And what are they doing? What are they doing? They're kneeling and praying, kneeling and praying, kneeling and praying. In a minute, we're going to get to this is one of our port points. But then it says in verse 6, they went on board the ship and they returned home again. And verse 7 says that when they finished the voyage from Tyre, they arrived at Patalamas, And after greeting the brethren, we stayed there for a day. Verse 8, on the next day we left and we came to Caesarea and entering the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. We stayed with him. I want to stop there for just a second. I wonder what that was like. Paul walks in. Hey, bro. How's it going? Well, I'm here because of the persecution where you were standing there watching one of my best friends and best men in the whole world get stoned, Paul. Come on in. This is Philip. This is what was one of the first original seven deacons when they searched out men full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, and Philip was one of those. And Philip was one of the ones who had to flee Jerusalem because of Saul, Paul. Come on in, Paul. Paul. Come on in. God can not only change lives, he can change relationships. And he can do new works that you and I never imagined. And in just this verse where we see that Philip invited him in and that they stayed with Philip, one of the best friends of the men, Stephen, that was stoned to death because of Saul, Paul. We see what God can do in the lives of people. This should be a huge encouragement and it should be a word that we have boots on the ground and we are messengers of not only our reconciliation to Christ, but also our reconciliation as daughters and sons in Christ. Verse nine says, now the men had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. You could read over that verse real quickly, or you could recognize that in Christ there is neither male nor female. Jew or Greek, slave or bondman, as Paul writes to the Colossians. You could read over that verse or you could see that it is the fulfillment of Peter's preaching when he said, in the last days, your daughters will prophesy. Do we see daughters prophesying? We see daughters prophesying. We are in the last days. We don't know how long these last days are, but we certainly know that we are closer to the final day than they were at the time of this writing. We continue in verse 10. It says, as we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus, who we've seen before, he's the one who prophesied the famine. He came from uh, Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands. So here he is, he's taking Paul's belt off of Paul and he's binding his hands and his feet. He was probably on the ground with his hands and feet bound like, uh, like Paul would be when it cast into a prison cell, and he said to him, this is what the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we had heard this, what do you think they did? When we had heard this, we as well as the local residents, it wasn't just the apostles and the disciples in the it was the local residents also began begging him, not just saying, don't step foot in Jerusalem, Paul. Begging him, please don't go. You're the voice of Christ. Your influence is so powerful. We need you here. Other people need to hear your message and the only way that you can explain it, Paul, please don't go, it can't be god's will for you today if you go they're going to put you on the cross like they did jesus don't go so what do you do what do you do when there's that anxiety between what you feel like the lord is telling you to do but you've got people telling you not to when when you know that it could end some relationships when there's confusion. When you know there's darkness in Jerusalem and the darkness is coming after you, or you know that Satan's on your hills, nipping and wants to destroy you, what do you do? Paul answered in verse 13. He said, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? We see here Paul's love for the people. He wasn't callous, he wasn't stupid, he wasn't ignorant, he wasn't blind. He was like, You're breaking my heart. What are you doing? Uh. But then he said these profound words, I am ready. I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you put your finger in the air? Can you put your fist on the table and say, I am ready not only to be bound, but to die. For the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is calling you to that commitment today. Make no mistake. You may not have known how to answer. I may not have known how to answer a question on a Bible study. Are you ready? Well, you know, you and I can write. Well, I don't know. I hope so. Uh-uh. That's not what he's calling for today. That's not what he's calling for today. That lack of commitment will not be a light and salt in our dark world. Jesus is asking you today, he's looking you in the eye through my eyes, will you make that kind of commitment and say yes, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will die. That's who he needs, not pansies. He needs women and men who are ready to make a commitment. Verse 14 says, He would not be persuaded otherwise. And then they fell sou- silent and said, The will of the Lord be done. I mean, they, they saw his resolve. They saw his resolve. And after these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us a son of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing, with whom we were to lodge. Verse 17 After we arrived in Jerusalem, oh, I have thought to myself so many times and wondered. Oh, I have put myself in Paul's shoes. Oh, I've put myself in Paul's shoes. And we can imagine what Luke, the physician, his beloved physician was thinking. What wounds am I going to be caring for for Paul? I can't imagine. You all know what it's like to, to go into a city. You've, you've been vacationing and you're going to the next city or maybe it's been a long time since you've been home and, and you're getting ready to go home and you're about to pull and you see the city limit sign and you're about to pull in and, and then you, and then you have that anticipation. Because you, you've been there before. Paul had worshipped in that school in Jerusalem. He had studied under Gamaliel. He, he had become one of the most renowned of the men in that city. Then he had to be let down out of a basket once he came to profess Jesus Christ. That city had a zillion memories for him from the time he was old enough to leave his parents and go there. And now he knows this road all too well, and he is walking I wonder if he slowed his pace and prayed. I wonder if he went ahead and with resolve sped up and marched right in. We don't know. We don't know. But it was a time that he could have had some high anxiety going on. It was a time he could have had his blood pressure increasing just a little bit. I guarantee you mine would have been not knowing except what the Holy Spirit has solemnly testified to him, that in that city where he was now entering into, bonds and afflictions awaited him. Let's look at some of the points on your listening guide as you're, as you're turning to it. There are a couple of things I want to point out for us to pay attention to. Number one is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is referred to more in the book of Acts than in any other book of the Bible. It's referred to 54 times. This week I went and I got every time that the Holy Spirit is referred to in the book of Acts. From Jesus's first uh, words, from him being taken up by the Holy Spirit... If, if you've been glossing over the work of the Holy Spirit, please go back, slow down, and look at that. There's another thing that I want us to look at, and it is this principle. It's not on your listening guide, but there's a, there's a, a worldly principle that successful people are influenced by the desire for pleasing results. Less successful people are influenced by the desire for pleasing activities. Let me repeat this because we're going to transfer it into the spiritual. Successful people are influenced by the desire for pleasing results. They're result-oriented. Less successful people are influenced by the desire for pleasing activities. If you want to be healthy... You want the result of a healthy body, a healthy mind? Then that is going to be what motivates you. If you're just going for the, oh, that cake looks good. Oh, that ice cream looks good. Oh, I think I have another bottle of wine. You're looking for the temporal, more pleasing experiences. Oh, sure. A few times or whatever of that cake or whatever you may. Enjoy that temporary result going shopping instead of studying, whatever it may be. But this is a very important principle, and we're seeing it right here as we enter into Jerusalem with Paul because Paul was going for the results, Paul was going for the eternal, not the temporary pleasures of having his hands out of bonds. And that is a decision you and I have to make. Are we going to be a successful Christian in the sense? that we are living and making daily choices because of the result we want to be used for the kingdom of God, to be of value, to see souls saved, or are we going to go for the, oh, I just, I don't want to make a commitment to lead that Bible study group. Oh, I don't want to make a commitment to go to Bible study. Oh, I don't want to make a, I'd I'd rather say, how am going to watch TV? This is a question each of us must answer Paul journeys toward Jerusalem in spite of his friends warning him. And on your listening guide, you can fill in the blanks for nine characteristics of a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian. Because that is what Paul is. And Jesus wants us to know what a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian looks like versus an anxiety-filled, fear-driven, helpless Christian looks like. Paul we see, and this is a characteristic, in verse 20:22, 20, he said he was bound in spirit to the Father's will. Do you remember Jesus' prayer when he said, not my will be done, but yours? Pray then in this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray it by rote, but do we live it by faith? Paul was looking for the rewards. He was looking for the resurrection glory. Don't forget that he is not afraid of dying because he's watched a Christian die. He watched Stephen die. And he watched Stephen say, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Saul witnessed that. And then Saul had Heaven opened up and Jesus there talking to him, saying, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Paul isn't afraid to die. Nobody likes the process, but he's not afraid to die. The second thing that we see as a characteristic of a spiritual Christian is they humbly pray, but they also listen to. We're good prayers. How good are we at listening and take it a step further how good are we at obeying the third characteristic well, let me say this in regard to listening and obeying just a few times because i want you to know without a hesitancy paul was not disobeying the holy spirit when those first group of people entire said by the holy spirit not to go into jerusalem he was not disobeying the holy spirit how do I know that? Well, I can't bet your life on it, but I might be willing to bet my life on it because if Paul doesn't have a problem hearing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit forbid him to preach in Asia. Don't you think if the Holy Spirit had a change of mind and didn't want Paul to go to Jerusalem, he would have said, oh, Paul, I just got some new information from those disciples back there who were begging you not to come. Apparently, there's going to be trouble for you in Jerusalem, so let's change our plans. Don't go. I'm going to put you on a ship and sail you back to some nice place. No. If the Holy Spirit didn't want Paul to enter Jerusalem, he would forbid him just like he forbid him to go into Macedonia. And does the Holy Spirit, does Jesus Christ have a right to alter our plans? Yes, he does. One time it was don't go into Asia. Then later on, he opened the door for him to go into Asia and he had great impact. Friends, we talked about that last week, sacred flexibility. We need to be there. These are characteristics. It's something we can do. In our dark and increasingly evil world. This is not a Bible study lesson that you can say, I filled in the planks and I can go home. Where do you want to go to lunch? No, this is a lesson where you and I need to understand the calling of God on our lives. It is a dark, evil world. No one is exempt. We must be the light of Christ while we have day, while we have time. And so we see this third characteristic. Of a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian is to be resolutely determined to press on rather than be swayed by emotion than or be swayed by fear. In Philippians 3:12, Paul said, I press on. Philippians 3:10 is, is my life first that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And that is what was driving Paul. He said in verse 12, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. Would you say those words out loud with me? Press on. That is what we are to be doing. The next thing that we see as we continue in verses 17 through 40 is Paul is in Jerusalem now. And the Roman commander had to have him carried out from the murderous mob. We're not going to have time to read all of this. You studied it in your group. We saw how the uh, Paul first went to the Jews who had become believers. And in verses 17 through 20a, He pointed to all that God had done as he had been on his missionary trips and they celebrated and they glorified God. But then we see a fifth characteristic of a spirit filled Christian. They told Paul what the situation was in Jerusalem. And they said, Hey, Paul, you got to know this. We're so excited for everything you did. But they're about. Well, commentators say that there could have been up to as many as 50,000 Jewish believers at this time. And it's during the time of Pentecost. So there are Jews from all over, including Asia, that we'll see in just a second. And so the James and the disciples are saying, we need to give you the heads up. We have a great group of believing Jews here in Jerusalem. Praise God. But there is a rumor going around that you are telling people to totally abandon the law of Moses and all of our Judaism. It was not true, but it was a rumor. It was the talking point, if you know what I mean. Like we have talking points on our news stations and everybody starts repeating the same thing. And so everybody starts believing it. And so the talking point among the Jewish believers was that Paul was a bad dude. Because he was turning people away from their rich heritage. And our fifth point, and Paul modeled it. Paul listened to what they said, and he did as they suggested. He took a vow. He shaved his head along with the other four. And so as a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian, we need to be able to listen and take Christian counsel into consideration there will be people that speak into our lives now you know what happened uh there there was a a riot almost mob activity because these asian jews stirred up the people we are told in acts uh, 21 when the purification, the seven days were over, these Asian, these Jews from Asia—not Asians—Jews from Asia came over and they stirred up the people. They even said that Paul had taken a Gentile into the inner courts, which was against the law. And all the city was provoked. We're told in verse thirty, and the people rushed together and taking hold of Paul. Now here is here is what's happening. What was prophesied. The Holy Spirit was right on. He knew what was happening ahead and he knows what's happening in your life and he knows what's happening in my life and that's why it's such a smart thing for you and I to be non-stop talking To him and visiting with him about hearing the good and the bad and being prepared. It says that while they were seeking to kill him, a report came to the commander. There is so much here, but that they had a a command station, the Romans did, on the temple courts so that they can keep control if there were any problems. They didn't want the Jews. The Romans didn't want the Jews having any kind of revolts or whatever because occasionally there would be, as we see, they even thought that Paul might be this Egyptian that had created a revolt at a prior time. And so they carry Paul. They have to, the Romans soldiers have to literally carry Paul out of this mass mob that wanted to kill him right then and there. Well, the Holy Spirit wasn't going to let that happen. Paul was going to Rome. But we see here, as Paul gives his defense, that there is something that's very valuable for you and me as spiritual Christians that's characteristic. In verses uh, 27 through 40, we see specifically with verse 37, let's start there. It says, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I say something to you? Now he's been beaten already, but he's still talking. May I say something to him? And he added, do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian. Verse 39, Paul said, I'm a Jew of Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city. And I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. Would you have had that kind of presence of mind? Or would you have just said, get me out of here. Get me in there, into the barracks. But there is a presence of mind. This this term, presence of mind, it means the ability to remain calm and take quick, sensible action. Hey, friend, you, through the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit pouring in and out and through you, Jesus always had presence of mind. He knew how to take quick action. He knew what to say. And Jesus said, that he would give us the words when we were brought before people. So we see here this presence of mind, and you can look up these additional scriptures that I've given you. But we see a seventh characteristic of a spirit-filled Christian. I started not to include it, and the Lord just kept prompting me, Debbie, put it in there, put it in there, because there are so many rude people. There are so many rude Christians. The seventh characteristic is a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian is polite and respectful it is not a mistake and the Holy Spirit kept telling me this Debbie don't leave that out those were his words it's why it's right here in the Bible when Paul said may I say something to you my mother when I was a little girl and just old enough to start answering the phone she taught me she said Debbie when you pick up the phone you say may I please ask who's calling to use those two words may and please may I please ask who's calling Paul's mother taught him to say may I and we see this respect that is shown this honor Exodus 2012 says honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land there are too many children not being polite respectful and honoring to their parents would you agree? Woo-hoo, that is so true. Not only are we to honor our father and mother, 1 Timothy 5.3 says, honor the widows who are widows indeed. In 1 Peter 2:17, Peter writes and he says, Honor all men. I am sick of the rude, hateful way that politicians talk to each other. Are you? There is so much disrespect in our lives. Ladies, this is a way you can shine. Paul. He's, he's been beaten and he's being taken into custody. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. We do. He's getting ready to be scourged. And he says, may I speak to you? And then he says, when he was given permission, oh, oh, in verse 39, he said, I beg you, allow me now to speak to the people. He had presence in mind. He had the peace of the Holy Spirit. And when he had been given permission, our next point that we see, our eighth point is, and it's found in his testimony here, that spirit-filled, spirit-led Christians boldly share their experience of faith, how they came to faith in Jesus, and their personal experience is undeniable. And our ninth characteristic of a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian is trust God. In 2 Corinthians 1.9, Paul wrote me. he said, we have the sentence of death in ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises us from the dead. Paul escaped the scourging by claiming his Roman citizenship after the mob called for his death. And so we see this ninth characteristic and final characteristic of a spiritual spirit like Christian. Oh, I'm sorry, I just gave you that one to share our job. So, so as we conclude, we ask... And I use my illustration here. What is our job? What is our job besides pray? Our job is boots on the ground. Now, you may just dress up and look real cute coming here to Bible study. But friends, you could come here and be at Bible study and not have any power in you because you are not a Christian until you have the Holy Spirit in you. Until you have the Holy Spirit in you. And there are homeless people out there in our world, in our society, in our families. And they may look all cute and fancy and prettied up. But if they don't have the Holy Spirit in them, they are not going to heaven. That is What is a Christian You have confessed your sins Confessed Jesus as Lord And the gift of the Holy Spirit Has been placed in you But you know what There's a lot of us going around And we look just like this I have the Holy Spirit La la Going to heaven Well isn't that just so nice for you This doesn't help our dark world The only thing that helps our dark world is when you say, Lord, thank you for this day as you open your eyes. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I want the light of your presence to shine in my light. But not only that. Not only that, no. Lord, I want the fragrance. Did you know that you can spray alone or actually you're supposed to put a fragrance on a cotton ball and then put it up? Do you know what happens when that fragrance is on that light bulb? You've got your own diffuser. Diffuser of cologne, of a fragrant smell going on. We are called, friends, to be the power, the light, and the fragrance of Christ as Paul was. Even though Paul wrote, he said, We're afflicted in every way you may be, but not crushed. Perplexed, you may be perplexed, but you don't have to despair. You may be persecuted, but you are not going to be abandoned by the Lord. You may be struck down. But you are not going to be destroyed because you are an eternal being. Jesus shows through Paul this truth: as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Who would have known? Who would have known? Paul would write the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon from from prison. Who would have known? Paul would have had the opportunity to witness before the Roman commander, the Jewish crowd, the Jewish Sanhedrin, Felix the governor, Phyllis and his wife, Porcus governor of Judea, and Festus king Agrippa, and then go on to Rome. Who would have known what God might do in you if you said, okay, I am ready to die. I am ready to press on. I am ready to give my life. I am ready to wake up every morning and ask you to fill me with your presence because I know your presence is the presence I want in my life. Father, the question is, will you live out God's higher purposes for your life? It's a dark, darkening, evil world. You are God's. Girl, you are his. He needs you to be operating with his power, with his light. And as Paul wrote, we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are perishing. Will you say yes to being that Christian? Thank you for listening to this podcast To learn more about how to grow in Christ or to be saved, visit www.debbietaylorwilliams.com. Connect with me on Instagram at Debbie Taylor Williams. God bless you.